This is the Power Slam Podcast. My name is Brendan Dennis, and I have some new recording equipment that will hopefully result in clearer podcasts for everybody involved. I had an issue with the prior recording equipment where I was only actually getting a mono feed and not a stereo feed, so those of you who have been listening thus far have probably recognized if you're using headphones that's only coming in on one side, and if you're listening into the car, really it's the same deal. So. I'd rather not have that happen any longer going forward. Got some better equipment that should sound significantly better. Should also probably cut out the majority of background noise so we can have a nice, clear, and concise cast. Uh, It'll also allow me to edit while I'm going through a little bit better. So some of the lulls, if you hear me not talk for periods of time, I could probably cut those out a little bit easier. Um, but in any event, you know, there's not going to be a ton of editing with this cast. It's mostly just going to be my musings kind of rambling straight through without going back and piecing it together and making it solid like others do. I know there are a lot of individuals that have the time to edit and make sure their casts sound fluid. I'm hopefully just going to speak as fluidly as I can, so that isn't going to be necessary. But there are going to be some bumps in the road, I'm sure. So hang tight with me. Uh, I think we're all going to have some fun. This is my cast following the WrestleMania 34 review. That actually just went up this morning, which is April 11, that I'm recording this. Um, So that should be up now. I would have optimally liked to have had it up on either Monday or Tuesday of this week instead of Wednesday morning, but I could not get to my computer quickly enough to get that done, so I apologize. But take a look at that. You'll understand kind of where I'm at with all the matches in WrestleMania 34. I go through my top five at the very end if you just want to skip to that and explain exactly why those matches fit within my top five. But otherwise, it's really a chronological kind of review from beginning to end of WrestleMania 34. I think I had one match that might have been out of place uh, towards kind of the middle of the review. But otherwise, it was in chronological order detailing what I thought about the matches. Uh, specifically, you'll want to listen to Cena and Undertaker, which <laughs> I, you know, wasn't my favorite. Again, I'm not a Taker person, so uh, be sure to listen to that and what I thought of Nakamura and AJ Styles, and then, of course, Reigns and Lesnar, the big controversy at the end of that match. Um, I guess hot topics to cover at the outset of this podcast. Let me just talk like, briefly about Reigns-Lesnar since I brought it up. There have been a lot of rumors flying around that... Brock was apparently upset with the end of that match and threw the Universal Championship either at Vince or at a wall and that Shane got involved after that transpired in the back. I don't know what's true about that and what's not true about that, um, but I believe it's Meltzer came out and stated that the match result, everybody believed you know, in WWE backstage that the match result was still going to be Roman Reigns winning that match by pinfall and becoming the new, new Universal Champion. And it sounds as though the match result either changed just before uh, WrestleMania 34 or maybe even during the match. And to me, that fits in this narrative. Now, I will tell you about Dave Meltzer. I see a lot of speculation from Dave Meltzer. I see a lot of, oh, it's this event is definitely going to have this main event, or this main event is definitely going to have this result, and it doesn't end up working, and then it's blamed later on on creative going back and changing plans at the last minute or what have you, and 
I personally get a little sick and tired of that. I, I think he goes back to the well way too often, <laughs> utilizing that excuse. And some of the times, though, I think that that's probably correct. And some of the times I'm sure that it's not. But wrestling is a fluid business. Don't come out and come up with this hot take fact ahead of an event when you very well, you know, having been in this business and been doing wrestling reviews and commentary for years and years, know that plans can change at the last minute. Don't come forward and tell me that something's set in stone when we all know that that's not the case until the event actually transpires, especially when you're speaking about something as high level as Reigns and Lesnar that's had finishes changed previously, a la WrestleMania 31. The prevailing thought going into WrestleMania 31 was the same prevailing thought coming into WrestleMania 34, that we were going to get Reigns going over and Vince was going to make him the man and we were going to have a run with the belt following WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. It didn't transpire at 31, it didn't transpire at 34. So don't go into it and tell everybody it's lock stock, you know, and two smoking barreled basically heading into the event when the card is subject to change, as it always is. That's my problem with Meltzer. Meltzer doesn't come forward and give everything as an opinion which he should be doing. He comes forth and tries to state it as though he knows and he's got these insiders that know. And maybe he has some insiders, but take everything that comes out you know with that guy and reports you know uh, quoting that guy with a very very large grain of salt as far as i'm concerned all we're doing here on this podcast ladies and gentlemen are, is, involves me giving my opinions hopefully in the future guests giving their opinions i'm not trying to come at you and say you know this is absolutely going to happen if i do say it's absolutely going to happen which i guess i did a couple times in the wrestlemania 34 preview that's my opinion it's always my opinion I'm not basing every, anything that I have off of anybody I know in the industry or anything like that. It's always my opinion that you're going to get on this podcast. And my opinion very strongly was that Roman Reigns was going to win that match. Sort of like everybody's opinion was that headed into WrestleMania 34, except for Dave Meltzer, who would have told you a million times over that Roman Reigns was completely going to win that match, and it was fact. No, it can't be fact. It can't be fact unless it happens. It's got to be an opinion. So let me give you my opinions on Raw and SmackDown this week, now that I am talking to you here on Wednesday the 11th. Raw, of course, happened on Monday the 9th, Raw after WrestleMania. It was a little flat to me. It had some debuts of talents coming up from NXT. It had the return of Samoa Joe. And it also had the return to WWE of Bobby Lashley interrupting Elias. Elias, let's start, I guess, with that. I have a problem at this point with what WWE is doing with Elias because I'm not sure that they know what they're doing with Elias. Elias is kind of along the same vein as Rusev is on SmackDown Live getting a lot of pub for his merch. He is getting people who are now taking to him and his gimmick and the whole walk with Elias deal. You know, his t-shirts are pretty cool. And like I just stated, he's, he's selling them relatively well from what I understand. You know, he did the little concert on Bourbon Street prior to WrestleMania, which I think kind of went over well from a viral standpoint. But then WWE seemingly has very little idea of what to do with him. They had him in the 
a couple segments with Strowman leading up to WrestleMania, which were funny and humorous, and Strowman's getting pretty good at that aspect of things. Then they had him get squashed by Cena at WrestleMania, which was clearly just a segment where they had little idea what to do with him otherwise. So he goes out and gets squashed by Cena. I mean, literally, there were a million different things that they could have done with Elias that weren't that. But then they did that, again, because I want to say in the couple weeks leading up to WrestleMania, they just weren't sure what else to do. And they probably ultimately decided that he kind of wouldn't have made sense as Elias's tag partner. So then they have him come out now post-WrestleMania in the Raw after WrestleMania and get squashed by the returning Bobby Lashley. So, you know, it's, it's nice that Lashley's back and then he's probably going to be booked along the same lines, I would imagine, as a Strowman or a Lesnar in that he can kind of come out and just be a monster and dominate, which I'm totally fine with from Lashley's perspective, but why are you feeding Elias to all these guys? You know, he's, he's a talent. He's got some wrestling talent. Maybe it's not top level, but I, I, I haven't seen enough, frankly, of him wrestling to really know. I mean, he's had a handful of matches sporadically here and there, but you know, he hasn't been given the time that a lot of the mid-carters on Raw, like Balor and Rollins and Miz, I guess I shouldn't call them mid-carters, but they've been in the mid-card scene. How about that With the lately with the Intercontinental belt? Um, but a lot of the guys who are you know, chasing those middle belts have been prone to get both on Raw and SmackDown. And why not insert Elias into one of those pictures so we can actually see how he is from an acumen standpoint and if he's really got the goods. In the limited time that I've seen him, I, I think that he's fine. I think that the majority of his value is going to be placed in his on-the-mic work and merchandising work and the way that he plays the crowd, which is relatively masterful from you know kind of a tweener standpoint, you know, getting the crowd to kind of hate him just enough while they really actually like him on the back end. But get him more into the wrestling title pictures so that I can actually see what he can do in the ring and get excited about him possibly chasing a belt because seeing him get squashed repeatedly just isn't really motivating me to see him in future products. Another aspect of Raw that we can discuss is the Roman Reigns promo stemming off the Reigns-Lesnar match where Reigns comes out and states that he couldn't look Vince in the eye afterwards. And they're really going a bit far with this whole shoot-style promo aspect on Reigns' character. You can't overdo that. Much like, you know, in the same vein as I've been complaining about here on the pod for the last couple of weeks, the problems leading up to WrestleMania 34 and the reliance upon the Wrestle Kingdom 10 match between AJ and Shinsuke Nakamura to promote that. Same kind of deal here. I guess, again, not the reliance on a past match, but you're overdoing it. And even though we live in a world now where, you know, kayfabe has been broken, um, you know, everybody knows that wrestling matches are predetermined and that people are friends behind the scenes and that, you know, match results, again, are booked ahead of time and they get changed at the last minute. Working that into storyline is way too WCW 1999, 2000. Like, it's just, 
it was attempted previously, and Vince Russo took really the reality aspect of it kind of to the max when he was with WCW, and it just doesn't work. It's going to end up falling flat on its face. You've got to promote wrestling as though it's traditional wrestling, ultimately, in the end, and that these matches aren't predetermined, and that it's a fight with you know two people going into it and somebody's going to come out victorious as any other you know amateur wrestling match or MMA match or whatever what have you would be um, because that's ultimately what people want people don't want to mix in the, you can mix in the shoot stuff a little bit but you really got to be careful with it it's got to be extremely light and for Reigns to come out ahead of Wrestlemania 34 and call out Lesnar for being a part-timer he's a full-timer um, that stuff, I think, was towing the line, but was at least acceptable. When you're referencing backstage spats in your promo that only are known generally by the smart fans, and when I say smart fans, I mean the smart fans to the extent that they read the dirt sheets. You know, I'm one of them, but... You can't do that because the far majority of the WWE universe has no idea what you're talking about. Just absolutely no idea. So you insert a comment like, I couldn't look Vince in the eye. Maybe 2% of the wrestling populace, or the, you know, the WWE universe, let's just call it that, knows what you're talking about. And a far larger percentage of the individuals at that Monday Night Raw knew what Reigns was talking about, and maybe that's why they did it, because you have so many smart fans who are so hardcore that they do read the dirt sheets and kind of know what's going on behind the scenes. But you're catering to the far majority of the audience, which includes a majority casual fan. The casual fan who turns into Raw... And even the fans who buy the merch, for the most part, are fans that aren't going on, you know, and subscribing not only to my podcast, which yeah, I've only got a handful of subscribers so far, but, you know, reading Pro Wrestling Torch or, you know, going on and subscribing to Meltzer's publication. If you subscribe to those things, then you're aware of the rumor that the match, like I said, was either changed just before it took place, or even possibly during the match, which I, I think is very viable considering how that match went with the six F5s and just the general strange finish. And honestly, if the match was changed kind of mid-match or right beforehand, and I'm Brock, Brock Lesnar, I'm going to be basically pissed that I had to do six F5s to this guy just to get him out when I had been finishing opponents with one for the prior year. So circling back on that, the point of the conversation being that Reigns has the promo, is referencing extremely, at this point, shoot-style rumors, and then the returning Samoa Joe just comes out and gives an awesome promo. And this guy, I mean, Samoa Joe, I had no idea back when he was in Impact that he was so good on the mic. But he, since he's been in NXT and come up to the main roster, has been fantastic with his mic work. He, with the Coquina Clutch uh, being his finisher, is just, he's a really good performer. And the way that he moves for his size and the insecurities he can throw and everything else, I mean, he's a very talented wrestler. And I think that they've booked him relatively well 
on the main roster so far. He's generally been involved in championship feuds and or high-profile feuds. And to insert him right in the middle of Reigns' post-WrestleMania promo certainly puts him right back into that spotlight where it looks like uh, it's going to be he and Reigns, I would think, at Backlash after Reigns wrestles Lesnar for the title in the cage match at the Greatest Royal Rumble, which at this point, I think popular logic would lean towards Reigns winning that match and getting the Universal belt ahead of the subsequent match then at Backlash with Joe. So we'll have to see, but I think that the majority of people think that. Again, the majority of people thought Reigns was walking out with the belt at WrestleMania. So (laughs) we don't know the length of Lesnar's new deal with WWE. I think everybody realizes he has to have some new deal to continue making TV appearances, which he's going to at the Greatest Royal Rumble. But there are a lot of conflicting reports as to whether it's a multi-year deal, whether it's just a couple of appearances or somewhat in between. So we'll find out soon enough just how much longer Brock Lesnar tends to stay in WWE. The other rumor going around is that he will be performing at UFC 226, which would be the end of 2018 here, against the heavyweight champion uh, winner from the match at UFC 225. So, again, the clock, I think, probably within the deal for his suspension, his six-month suspension, I would imagine, would start running now or close to now so that he would then be able to compete later on in the year and give UFC some, probably at this point, much-needed publicity. I think kind of like NASCAR, UFC's lost its shine a little bit and needs some real star power to reinvigorate the product. And that's, I'm sure Dana White kind of desperately wants Brock Lesnar back in the mix to jumpstart his promotion once again. Other than those topics, there's nothing else I'm really going to cover in this podcast from Raw. There was the stuff surrounding the Intercontinental belt, which actually probably took the majority of Raw because it was the, I, I think, both the opening segment and the closing segment with the six-wet man match with Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and Jeff Hardy, the returning Jeff Hardy, against the Miz and the Miz Taraj. It, I will say that it doesn't appear as though Jeff Hardy is going to be a part of the current Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt storyline, but is going to be kind of out on his own, doing his own thing as a single singles wrestler, which I'm completely fine with. The Hardy Boys don't need to tag any longer, especially if Matt's got his broken universe going on. Jeff has his own personal problems outside of WWE that he's been dealing with. And I think that's frustrated to Matt, at least to the point where he would rather not have him involved if he doesn't need to. So to have Jeff moving on with his own you know, singles stuff and not interfering with Matt and the Broken Universe, I, to me it makes the most sense. And I'm kind of glad that's how they're approaching it. There was the women's fallout with Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. And they had a tag match that involved the debuting Ember Moon, who appeared to have a relatively solid match. I, you know, Ember Moon had been the NXT Women's Champion there for a short bit after Asuka. She, you know, was was given the belt when Asuka decided to you know leave to the main roster. But you know, originally she was an Asuka shadow. Now she comes up to the main roster and has at least a bit of an opportunity to prove herself. We'll have to see how this all goes but is probably going to be quickly eclipsed by Ronda Rousey on the Raw brand. I mean, the far majority of the women's focus is going to be on her. So, you know, Ember has maybe a place, I think, as a mid-carder, but ultimately it's from now on, from here on out, going to be hard for any of the 
women on the raw brand to really kind of gain footing when, again, the far majority of the focus will be on Rousey going forward. And then the only other thing I wanted to maybe touch on was the tag stuff with Strowman and Nicholas. My prediction was true. I got this one pretty much spot on correct in that Strowman ended up winning the tag belts at WrestleMania 34, granted with a partner I never would have anticipated, but then was going to give them up or lose them the next Raw. Sure enough, he goes with Nicholas to Kurt Angle, and they give back the belts. And now we've got this tag title tournament, which is going to lead to the winner of the tournament facing the bar at the greatest Royal Rumble for the Raw tag belts, which I'm fine with. The bar should be getting those tag belts back anyway. Uh, they are where it's at on the Raw brand. And I, I think, you know, as much as I didn't like the squash, I'm sort of coming around to the idea that even though Braun beat the crap out of Sheamus and Cesaro at WrestleMania 34, I, I, people say it's the WrestleMania moment with Nicholas and what have you. I think a lot of people are going to forget all about that pretty quickly. So I don't think that's going to damage them and their standing and reputations too badly in the foreseeable future. Moving to SmackDown, well, we've got the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match, which, you know, pretty awesome. But let's start off with Paige, who had retired on Raw, which I guess was something I could have talked about in my Raw segment, becoming the GM of SmackDown. So Paige comes out on Raw, gives a somewhat emotional speech about how she has to retire due to her physical ailments, which, again, had been in the rumor mill for a few months now. Um you know, after her last competitive match. And it was emotional. Um, she hasn't been, you know, she's only been around for four years. I don't know if people realize that, but she, it's not like she's been in wrestling forever. But she was, you know, the fans took to her pretty quickly. And to lose her as a wrestler, I think, was certainly a blow. I think she would have done very well with Absolution. Um, but that wasn't going to transpire, and she ends up retiring. So then, SmackDown, she comes out as... Shane McMahon is introducing the new GM of SmackDown, considering Daniel Bryan is now an active wrestler again. And sure enough, it's Paige. And she could do very well in this role. It's uh, WWE is taking a chance because she had her relationship with Alberto Del Rio slash El Patron that really ended badly. They got into public fights. She did not seem as though she was doing well personally during that time. She, you know, according to, again, to the rumors, had been cleared physically to come back, but wasn't coming back. What was the hang-up? And a lot of people blamed it on that relationship. So for WWE to promote her to the GM role on SmackDown, I would imagine they've got to have a lot of confidence that she's back mentally in it to win it and that she'll be strong going forward. So hopefully that's the case. Because if she starts to check out and they continue to have problems with her, this could end poorly for everybody. But if she's kind of got her head on her shoulders and is willing to put in the effort from here on out, it could work out very well because she's got the personality. She connects well with the fans. And so we'll have to see how this progresses. But, you know, there's no, I guess the nice thing about the GM role is you could just kick somebody out, you could fire them, and you could bring somebody else in. So unless you're going to involve her from a wrestling storyline perspective, which you're not, because unlike Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle, and Stephanie McMahon, she literally cannot wrestle, then you're probably going to end up being okay. Because you could pretty much pull the plug at any time, and it's not going to be that big of a deal. 
because the other fear would be that she would be in some sort of wrestling storyline that you're building, and then you'd have to pull the plug. Well, she can't do that. So with her, it's not as big of a concern. Then you've got the match, which ended the night in Shinsuke Nakamura interfering with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. I mean, talk about a match people have been wanting to see for years. I think I saw, it was like the Battle of Los Angeles from PWG back in like 2005. Somebody posted something on social media that the American Dragon, you know, Brian Danielson wrestled AJ Styles at that event, you know, 13 years ago. And now here they are, the rematch that everybody's been waiting for. Um, something that you could certainly do at a pay-per-view, but I almost kind of like that they did it at SmackDown here because it was a reason to watch SmackDown a very cool moment in a match that everybody basically wanted to see. And then you had Nakamura come in and disrupt it and hit a knee to the back of the head of Brian and another knee to Styles and a low blow to Styles and continue his heel turn, which, again, he did a little mic work last night saying that, you know, he felt bad about what happened at WrestleMania and then Renee kind of called him out and said, no, you're not, you're not really all that upset about it, and then he said he didn't speak English, which was yeah, interesting. Um, but I need to see more out of him, and hopefully his mic work improves to the point where he's really able to turn it on from a heel perspective and not just act like a heel in the ring, but act like a heel to the fans and articulate why he has turned heel to the fans. Because right now, I, he lost a match, and I, I would get that he's frustrated, but to be low-blowing AJ Styles, you know, to wrestling events in a row, sort of out of nowhere, you kind of require some context. And right now I'm not sure that Shinsuke is in a position to articulate that. So that could hold, hold back the heel run. We'll have to see, again, if the mic work becomes good enough where he's able to really take advantage of that. But right now that, that would be my problem with the heel turn is, you know, there's not enough context in which to base this heel turn. Why did he turn heel? You know, none of this is being explained. And I think that there needs to be a better explanation of that going forward. The U.S. title, there was a match to the number one competitor between the three guys who lost at WrestleMania in Rude, Orton, and Rusev. Orton wins, and so we get Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton again. Isn't everybody super thrilled about that? Because the answer is no, nobody's super thrilled about that. It's going to be terrible. And it's I don't know why they're going back to the well with that feud. So it would tell me that based upon the, f the fact that the superstar shakeup occurs next week, that both Orton and Mahal are going to be staying on SmackDown. Either that or they're both going to Raw. It's one one or the other in a package deal, which you know, <laughs> I, I don't think if I were Kurt Angle, I'd never accept that from a storyline perspective. Um, sounds like hot garbage. But we'll, we'll see what happens with that, you know. Again, to not have Rusev, to just insert him in that match because he's selling merch and then not doing do anything with him at WrestleMania and the following SmackDown makes little to no sense to me. They really need to get this guy into a meaningful storyline because the fans love him. He's hot right now. Take advantage of that. And if he's selling merch, it's not just good for him. It's good for you, WWE. So don't you want him to sell more? If he, He's going to sell more if he's in a better program. He just is. Winners sell. You know, the the idea that wins and losses don't matter in wrestling because it's predetermined is a complete red herring to me and an entire misconception. Wins and losses do matter because they matter more to the casual fan who still looks at it more as something that isn't predetermined. 
So wins and losses build up a superstar. You're telling me that wins and losses didn't matter for John Cena becoming the superstar that he is today? They absolutely did. It really wasn't until the last handful of years, last two, three years, that he really started laying down for opponents for a long time. And again, I don't know how much of this was him. It was probably more so Vince, who's got the ultimate say on these things. But he was winning left and right. He was built up to be a huge megastar. And a lot of that was because of the fact that he was winning. He was winning matches. He wasn't losing matches. He was getting pinfalls. So don't tell me wins and losses don't matter. They absolutely matter. Tell that to Kurt Hawkins, that wins and losses don't matter. He's lost so much, he's actually turning it into a positive. But, you know, or tell that to Dolph Ziggler, who hasn't had a meaningful program in an extremely long period of time on there, except for his, his program with The Miz, which was what? Was that late 2016 now? Was it that long ago? When, well, it probably had to have been, because it was before the last Superstar shakeup when they were both on SmackDown, but when they had the um, title versus career match, which I thought was very good. You know, that was the last time Ziggler did anything meaningful. And he was down on the card because he was losing, and now he's down on the card again because he's losing. And because he's not being booked in anything that is worth a damn. And the same thing's happening to Rusev, except for the fact that I think more people are energized about Rusev right now, and they need to get him into a program that makes sense. So, U.S. title, don't understand it. You know, we'll see what, see what happens. I'm totally scratching my head, very confused. Then you have the other big moment on SmackDown, which I'll finish up with, being the Carmella-Charlotte stuff. That was a really odd cash-in. I understand why they did it the way they did. The referee, so Carmella comes down after the um, Iconics, okay, who are Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, from NXT make their main roster debut by coming out and just beating the tar out of Charlotte when she's in the ring celebrating her WrestleMania win over Asuka. So they beat the tar out of Charlotte, start heading back up the ramp, and then here comes Carmella to cash in her money in the bank. So what she does is she gives the money to the bank of the ref, who looks at her quizzically, repeatedly. I mean, he didn't cash in the money in the bank briefcase for probably like 20 seconds, like some ungodly period of time. And I guess, from what I understand, the idea behind that was that Carmella has tried to cash in her briefcase so many times before and failed that you know and there was always something that kind of came up when she was catching in her briefcase that the referee was honestly wondering if she, that's what she was doing or if she really wanted to do it. It was making sure, completely, a thousand percent sure that she really wanted to do it before cashing it in. But it, it made it look kind of strange to me because here you've got Charlotte laying there, who is this female champion who you just had end the streak of Asuka laying on the mat for seconds and seconds and seconds and seconds and seconds and then finally getting up after the cash-in takes place you know falling to Carmella's finisher and getting pinned for the title and I understand that she was beat up by a couple of women before that but for her to just lay around for that period of time didn't look great to me. I think that it would have made more sense. I understand you wanted to further the idea that Carmella had the cash-in problems previously and what have you, but don't, to me, to have furthered that aspect of things and possibly weakened Charlotte by making her look bad for rolling around the floor for so long before getting eventually pinned just didn't look good. I know that Carmella kicked her before the pin took place, but Again, I mean, by the time the, cook, the finisher even took place, 
Charlotte should have been up and basically walking around, walking out of the arena. I mean, it was, it was that long. It just took forever, and it looked, it looked really disjointed and silly to me. It didn't come off the way I think WWE really thought it was going to come off when they probably originally wrote it. So Carmella as champion, I don't think it's going to last. I think that Charlotte's going to get that belt back real fast. I have also seen, here's a spoiler alert, there, there has been some promo material that supposedly has come out for upcoming shows that appears to put Asuka on the SmackDown brand and not the Raw brand, which would be interesting because I think a lot of speculation was that she was going to go to Raw post-WrestleMania, but on the SmackDown brand, and if she did indeed go to SmackDown, there's you know always the chance that she could be the individual to take the title from Carmella. So we'll have to see who gets it going forward. I would imagine it's going to go back to Charlotte relatively quickly here. And Carmella is very limited in her moveset. She's not a great women's wrestler. I mean, this is her chance to showcase it, but she hasn't had a lot of opportunities to showcase it. I mean, she's had a lot of multi-women matches, which is basically what you get if you're not in the main event picture. Well, now she is. So now she's going to have to have some one-on-one matches, um, probably you know triple threat match at worst, and you're going to see how she wrestles. And I, I have a feeling the answer is probably going to be not very well. But this is her chance to get it done, so hopefully she steps up to the plate and proves me wrong. That's the Power Slam podcast for April 11th, 2018. Recapping Raw and SmackDown, I will be back possibly this weekend with something if I can find the time to do it. Otherwise, I will probably be back around this same time next week recapping the Superstar Shakeup. So I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks.